What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 153 of WFS, the Will Ford Show. Pretty good weekend. No football, though. Um, you might say, well, there was the, there was the Pro Bowl. Uh, what are you talking about, Will? Shut up. Pro Bowl is not real football. That was two-hand touch. I watched like two plays of that. Obviously, I'm way more interested in the skills competition. If you're going to play, make it make it more like flag football instead of getting everybody dressed up in pads and everything. That might be a little bit more entertaining, and it would make it less of a mockery to watch. I understand you don't want players to get hurt. Totally get it. I don't want players to get hurt either. But you know, fans are paying all this money to go out there and watch a football game, and you're not really playing football. You know, so there was no football this weekend. That's all I'm going to say. But we do have football next weekend with the Super Bowl, the Rams, and the Bengals. We'll talk about that at the end of the show. I want to start off though in the NBA. I haven't talked NBA in a while. But the Brooklyn Nets, one of those teams, one of those super teams in the NBA with Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, James Harden, but they've had problems all year. Kevin Durant's out right now with an injury. Kyrie Irving hasn't played really all year um, aside from getting this temporary, I don't even know what you call it, but temporary permission to play in away games, but not being vaccinated. He can't play at home, so you're really only getting... Kyrie every now and then uh, if you're going on a road trip it's great but if you're at home for a while you don't have him and then James Harden there's been stuff swirling about him trade talks him maybe wanting out of Brooklyn frustrated disgruntled and it kind of smells like the Houston Rockets all over again and I just want to say that I I think you know James Harden is a special talent let's clear that up I'm not saying that he's not a great player he's easily one of the top 10 players in the NBA today and one of the greatest offensive players we've seen in this era but we've seen these collapses in the playoffs over the years he hasn't been able to put together uh, you know a great run he did go to the finals you know way back when in 2012 with the Oklahoma City Thunder that big three of him Russell Westbrook Kevin Durant but that was the only run that they made get traded to Houston. He's had a couple of runs in the playoffs, made it to a Western Conference final, I think once or twice, but has never been able to get over the hump and get to the NBA finals as the leader of a team. And I I honestly, I think James Harden is the problem with a lot of the teams that he's been on. So obviously he was traded from the Oklahoma City Thunder because it wasn't working there. There was too many mouths to feed with that big three, and and the Thunder would rather go with Westbrook and Durant than have Harden with one of those two. And then when you get to Houston, Dwight Howard comes with, you know, after uh, a year or two, you force Dwight Howard out of Houston. Granted, Dwight Howard was kind of on the slow decline, but, you know, back in the 2013, 14, 15 years, he was still a a pretty solid big man and one of the big man uh, one of the best big men in the league you force him out in comes chris paul uh, who's going to be a hall of famer with, with a title or without if he if he wins one this year or he, de- he doesn't it doesn't matter he's going to be a hall of famer one of the best point guards ever one of the best leaders ever you force him out there was some problems there and harden went to houston went to Daryl Morey and said you either trade chris paul or I'm gone. And so Harden obviously got what he wanted there. 
and, and got CP3 out. They couldn't really see eye to eye. And I think CP3, you know, being the great leader that he is, he was just trying to bring the best out of Harden, and Harden felt he was already the best. Uh, and then Russell Westbrook rejoins, reteams up with James Harden. And of course, Russell Westbrook has got his own issues as a player in terms of his, his lack of shooting ability, turnovers, inefficiency. We know he can stuff the stats, but he, he's not the most efficient player in the world and not a, a great three-point shooter, and yet still continues to try to be that kind of player. That clearly wasn't going to work. It didn't work in Oklahoma City for the most part, and it wasn't going to work then. And so Russ got forced out of Houston. And then things got really ugly for Harden after that, forcing himself out of Houston. He purposely let himself get out of shape, didn't want to play, wasn't going to do nothing unless he was traded, gets the trade that he wants to go to the Brooklyn Nets to team up with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. And since then, this trio has hardly ever seen the floor together, consistently at least. You know, with KD having some injuries over the last couple of years, Kyrie now this vaccination status. And I'm not saying he should or shouldn't be vaccinated. That's not what this is about. But Kyrie Irving is just not available. And then James Harden complaining again. If I'm Brooklyn, maybe I do trade James Harden, see what I can get. But then again, are teams self-aware enough to know that if they're trading for James Harden, you're going to be trading a lot away. And what you're bringing in is a great offensive talent, but he doesn't play defense. He's not a great leader. And do you really want to deal with that drama? I don't think so. I wouldn't want to. So I don't know if James Harden's tradable. Plus, he makes so much money. It's a bad situation in Brooklyn, and yes, on paper, you look at the collection of talent they have, if they were all playing, like if you're playing NBA 2K and you had these three on your roster, yeah, you're probably going to win an NBA title, but this isn't NBA 2K. This is the real NBA, and they just don't work well together. It just doesn't fit. Too many mouths to feed, the personalities, they clash. It doesn't work. Brooklyn's not going to get out of the East. I would be shocked if they did. Really, I think the Cleveland Cavaliers, crazy enough to say, are a better team than the Brooklyn Nets. And yeah, James Harden is the problem with all the teams that he's been on. He has been the problem, but he's been acting like he's the solution. Let's shift now to the NFL, though, because huge development other than the Super Bowl coming up next week, other than Tom Brady retiring. The Washington football team, no longer the Washington football team. They have now picked their own team name. So they were the Washington Redskins for what was it, like 86 years or something like that. They go with Washington football team because someone owned all the rights to these other names because I think the name change was imminent. And they were finally able to get a name. They are now the Washington Commanders. Um, but yeah, it was 86 or 87 years with the Washington Redskins name. And then they changed the name back in 2020 with the Black Lives Matter movement and the killing of George Floyd and the the idea of systemic racism. And of course, this name change has been brought up, you know, really over the last decade, 15 years. People haven't been fond of this name. And I said this, you know, when originally this 
this change was made to the Washington football team because other companies were also changing their brand logos or brand names because they represented a segment of the population that wasn't white in potentially a, a not fantastic way, I guess. I don't, I don't know. The, the, pro, the problem with the name change at the time, the Washington Redskins team name, it was created by Native Americans. A Native American person created that name for this franchise, and it stood for 87 years. I understand that there might have been some Native Americans out there that thought this name was pretty offensive. I can't sit here and say that this name is offensive or not offensive. Uh, all I can tell you is that it was created by a Native American. So that person may not think it's offensive. They may think it's an honor of a Native American tribe, Native American group. Other people didn't didn't feel that way. But I wish what the Washington football team, now the Washington commanders, would have done. What Dan Snyder should have done was pulled not just Washington fans, but Native Americans across the country. Get a very large sample, as large as you can, and figure out, is this name offensive, not, should we change it, should we keep it, what do we do? Because at the end of the day, the name is a representation of Native Americans, but it's unfair for a white person to say, oh, that's that's offensive to Native Americans. We've got to change the name. It, it is not our right to tell people how they feel about something. And that's the problem with rich white owners of companies, teams, franchises, businesses, whatever. They have this need to constantly be politically correct and do everything they can to make everything not seem racist and please everybody. And I understand, but in a in a way it's it's kind of demeaning to minority groups who it, it, it makes I, I think it makes them feel as if they can't think for themselves. Let them make the decision. Why are we making the decision to change a team name? Now that that's two years ago. It's in the past. Why am I still harping on that? I don't know. I just still think it's important because I think it's relevant in today's culture still. Uh, but then you have the Washington football team, very generic, just because you couldn't get a team name yet. And obviously people hated that at first. It was like, pick, pick a name, you know? And I get it. Nobody liked Washington football team for the first year. But after a year, after a season, people got used to it and it grew on them. Now it's the Washington commanders. And most of what I've seen is people don't like it at all. People think it's pretty generic, pretty boring, kind of seems like a a team name from like the Alliance of American football or the XFL or something like that. Um, like those smaller leagues that people have been trying to start up and I, and I get it, you know, like Washington commanders doesn't strike me as this fantastic name. Like it doesn't hit you like Pittsburgh Steelers or Dallas Cowboys or green Bay Packers, new England Patriots. This kind of seems a little generic, I guess, but just give it some time. We hated Washington football team for a year, and then now we love it. Now we don't want to change it from Washington football team. Now it's Washington Commanders. Give it a year. Give it a season. It's going to sink in. I, I think people are going to like it a lot more 10 games into next season than they will right now. Let's not overreact about it. Think of this as a new beginning for the Washington franchise because they had 87 years of this perceived racist name 
And then you have a gap year with just calling it the Washington football team. And now you have a new beginning with a new name. And it's pretty unique to all those players who are now a part of this franchise on this team because no one has ever played for this team before. So it's it's pretty unique. It's a new beginning for a franchise. And uh, I think I think that's really cool. They've released some new uniforms that look pretty sleek. The W that they had as their logo over the last two years, um, it's the same, except uh, they've just made it uh, red with a yellow outline. But I, I think this is going to be good for the people of Landover, Maryland, for the Washington franchise, and, and for the fans, and for the players to have a name to now get behind. But I think, you know, the talk about the team name change in the beginning, change was made by a rich owner who's white. And I get that he's off, he's operating off of public opinion, but also, you know, a lot of public opinion comes from people in the majority. And it, the, and I, I, I hate the term majority and minority. It just sounds so negative. And I, and I know it, it's really not, but it, it just sounds so negative to me. But like white, I feel like white people make all the all the decisions in this country and don't let others speak for themselves. They'd rather tell people how they're supposed to feel than let people tell them how they feel. I don't know. It, but I'm I'm very happy for the Washington franchise because they finally have a team name and they can really start to build a new kind of culture and a new kind of fan base. And I think that's going to be really great, not only for the league fans, but football in general. Now, Super Bowl Sunday coming up next week. Today is Monday, and we'll have the Super Bowl in six days. This is going to be a really interesting game because I, I, like, I'm going back and forth on this. I'm really not sure who I want to pick. I don't know who's going to win because I've been picking against the Cincinnati Bengals for the last two weeks and really all, all season, I guess, and they've continued to prove me wrong. Uh, and the Rams... They have been really good for the majority of the year with an outstanding defense and then an offense that has more than likely the offensive player of the year in Cooper Cup. This is kind of this is kind of a coin flip for me, but I do, I do want to give you some numbers. And this is as I'm going through these numbers, it's going to help me rationalize who I want to pick in this game. When you look at the Rams' defense, one of the best defenses in the league, when they send pressure. They're probably the the best in the league at sending pressure to the quarterback. So quarterbacks this season, when they're pressured by the Rams in not not only not just the regular season, we're looking at the postseason specifically. So over the last couple of games, postseason play, quarterbacks when pressured by the Rams, QBR of two point five. That's very very low. A twenty six point five percent completion percentage, and uh, no touchdowns, two interceptions. So quarterbacks when they're getting pressured by you know, Aaron Donald, Von Miller. They are not very efficient, not finding open receivers, and not throwing touchdowns. The Rams have sent pressure 40 times this postseason, and Aaron Donald and Von Miller have combined for 25 of those 40 pressures. So those are the two guys that are getting it done, but then you also got to think they have Leonard Floyd coming off the other edge. So Donald in the middle, Von Miller on one side, Leonard Floyd on the other. I mean, pick your poison. Really, Aaron Donald... What he does in the middle, blowing things up in the middle, it allows those edge rushers to get home. 
Um, and, and vice versa, the pressure off the edge, you force some shifts. It allows Donald to, to get some more interior pressure. I, you, how do you defend that? I don't know how you do, uh, considering that the Bengals have the worst offensive line of these playoffs, but also probably in the NFL. Joe Burrow, though, has been miraculous under pressure to close the regular season and then in these playoffs. But in weeks 1 through 14, he was 26th among quarterbacks when getting pressured. He was ranked 26th. And since week 15, he's been 8th. So much improved, much better. The game, I think, even though what's going on around him has sped up, he's found a way to slow it down in order to find receivers, avoid sacks, extend plays. And he's doing this coming off of that gruesome knee injury where he tore his ACL, PCL, MCL. I mean, did everything that he could to his knee in the worst way. And he's he's doing all this. And he's he's playing great. One of the best quarterbacks right now under pressure. And then when you look at some NFL ranks when throwing outside the numbers, Joe Burrow, best in the league, throwing outside the numbers this season. His QBR is first in the league. The Rams defense, though, second in the league in terms of defending throws outside the numbers. Joe Burrow's third in the league in passing touchdowns. The Rams defense is first in terms of allowing passing touchdowns. They they rarely ever do. Yards per attempt, Joe Burrow's first in the league. Rams defense is eighth. And uh, Jamar Chase had an NFL high 12 receiving touchdowns outside the numbers this season. So, I mean, when you look at it, it's strength on strength, really, if you think about it. It's just which side is going to get the upper hand. I I, th- I think the Rams. I think I have to give it to the Rams because you think about this. The Tennessee Titans sacked Joe Burrow nine times in the AFC Divisional Round. The Rams' pass rush is better than the Titans. How many times is Joe Burrow getting sacked in the Super Bowl? 12? 15 times? That would be insane and I just don't know if that can if you can overcome that what I think the Bengals are going to have to do is run the football they're going to have to find a way to run the ball Joe Mixon in the regular season running the football 1200 rushing yards which was third in the league and fourth in touchdowns uh, with 13 so you're going to have to run the offense through Joe Mixon who had one of his healthier years this year and played like a top five back and the numbers say that you're also going to have to figure out a way to maybe keep Joe Burrow protected using Mixon in pass protection. You're going to have to maybe keep, you know, CJ Uzama is a, a pretty solid tight end, but you might have to keep him in to bring some help too. You're going to have to find a way to give Joe Burrow some time. And I know Joe Burrow's great against pressure. At least he has been the last, you know, five or six weeks, but Eventually, that pressure is going to get home. So I think Bengals are going to have to just run the football, establish that way, get your offense going through Joe Mixon. And then if you're going to throw it, set up some screens because you know that pass rush is coming. Allow them to penetrate. You get some blockers out wide to the left or to the right. Throw some screens um, to Jamar Chase, Joe Mixon. Do some shorter stuff at first. That's going to allow you to open up those outside the numbers throws down the field to Jamar Chase, who led the league 
in touchdowns outside the numbers this year with 12 receiving touchdowns. So that's the offensive game plan, I think, for the Bengals. But I don't know. I just don't know how well they can execute it with the offensive line that they have. I know that the Bengals defense can hold up against the Rams offense. If they can hold up against the Chiefs offense, they can hold up against the Rams offense. But can their offense keep pace? And I'm not sure that they can. And so I'm rooting for the Bengals. You know, it's an Ohio team rooting for him. But I I really think it's going to be the Rams in this one. I think it'll be close, but I'm going to give this to the Rams. And I'll say, I'll say 24-17 Rams. That's what my gut feeling is. But listen, if the Bengals won, I wouldn't be shocked because I've been picking against them all season long and they've proved me wrong nine times out of 10. But is this the 10th time or is this maybe number nine? I don't know. We'll see. But I'm very excited for the Super Bowl next Sunday and uh, a close to another great NFL season. That's it for episode 153. Uh, Make sure you follow me on social media, on Twitter at The Will Ford Show, on Instagram at Will Ford Show, on TikTok at The Will Ford Show. Rate and review the show on iTunes, like and comment on SoundCloud. You can also follow me there as well. You can follow me on Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Just just go follow. Why aren't you following? It's free. Go follow. But I'll see you in episode 154. We'll get another one in before Super Bowl Sunday. This is WFS, The Will Ford Show. (laughs) 